Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. Joining me on this episode, Austin Mitchell, one of the co-founders of Sinota. What are Sinota? Well, you're about to find out, but it includes the financialization of Bitcoin and the interconnection, the bringing together of the energy, the legacy energy world into the Bitcoin world, into the financial realms of how to effectively run a Bitcoin mining company, for example, which let's be fair, those guys need a lot of help. That is one hell of a difficult business. And Sinota are providing the tools in which to strengthen that. This is all part of strengthening the network. And I hope you guys enjoy this because uh, Austin, I think, is part of building a great company and is full of enthusiasm. So enjoy the episode. Now, before we get into the show, please, if you want to learn more about Bitcoin, there are some ways that you can do that and acquire Bitcoin at the same time because these Bitcoin companies that support the show are also supporting you on your journey down the rabbit hole. Swan Bitcoin, Relay, Coin Corner, and Hoddle Hoddle are all dedicated to helping you get Satoshis and they're all dedicated to you learning more about Bitcoin. They will have very good education behind their platforms and their service. So. Swan based in the US. Set up a dollar cost average account. Use the code Bitten. Hit the link in the show notes. You're going to get a free 10 bucks and they're going to help you with your retirement fund. They're going to hold your hand all the way through. Teach you how to self custody. As our relay in Europe, R E L A I dot C H forward slash Bitten. Download the app and start stacking immediately. There's no reason to not do that today, right now. Press pause, download relay. Let's fucking go. Coin Corner. You can create an account at Coin Corner. They're an exchange based out of the Isle of Man. They can accept euros and pounds, and they are also able to set up your favorite merchant with a merchant account. So your merchant can accept Bitcoin. If they want, they can have that hit their account in euros or pounds if they're not ready to hold the Bitcoin yet. But slowly over time, they will be. This is a way to help people understand that they can accept Bitcoin and offer Bitcoin payments to a wider market. It's not the best solution, but it's what we've got. And this is a great way to offer that first taste of the orange pill to Bitcoin businesses. Wasabi Wallet, what do they do? Well, they offer you a coin join service. Why is that important? Maybe it isn't to you. Maybe it is. Maybe you've not looked into it. Maybe you should, because there is an educational journey in itself into the coin join rabbit hole. There are a couple of services out there. I urge you to do your own research, find the service that you want to use if you so wish. That's wasabiwallet.io. You can go and find an interview with Max Hillebrand in the last uh, few months there where we talk about Wasabi. Bitbox, I've got you covered. What is it? It's a hardware wallet. Why do you need a hardware wallet? Because if you don't have one, you don't have any Bitcoin at all because they're everybody else's Bitcoin. They're swans, they're relays, they're coin corners, they're hodl hodls, they're wherever you've bought it. 
If you've not taken it off of that platform, it's not your Bitcoin. So that is why you need that signing device, that hardware wallet, Bitbox02 by bitbox.swiss.ch forward slash bitten. Yeah, bitbox.swiss forward slash bitten will get you a 5% discount if you use the code bitten. Mempool.space. What is it? I hear you cry. Well, it is another excellent way to start learning about Bitcoin and visualize the Bitcoin blockchain or the Bitcoin time chain. And when you're signing transactions, take a look at what blocks they're moving from and what blocks uh, they're moving to and how to track a transaction. It's all there for you on mempool.space. And it's an incredible way to orange pill some other people that have not yet seen what this thing is. Orange Pill app is the place where you can go and meet your plebs, either events and conferences, stay in touch, direct messages. This is a one-stop shop for you to meet in real life Bitcoiners. It may be a dating app, just a warning. Conferences, where are you gonna go? Get to Liberty Now Lifetime in October. That is put on by Free Cities Foundation. It's an excellent conference about parallel structures and it's a way for you to meet people from around the world and have a look at maybe how you could plug your Bitcoin life into another parallel structure. Very interesting conference. Bitten is the code. You're going to get a 10% discount and get to Riga, the Baltic honey badger that's in Latvia and is put on by HODL HODL and you can get 10% discount using the code Bitten. Check out the show notes for all the other links and enjoy this rip with Austin. All right, Austin, we're recording. Great to meet you. Hey, great to meet you too. Right. Okay. Uh, Austin, Sinota, lovely job. Right. Let's get into what we were about to talk about off air, which uh, I stopped you mid-sentence. You told me you've, <laughs> you've got a meeting in an hour and a half, so we've got a, a hard cut there. And yeah. uh, you called it SOC 2, and it's some kind of uh, compliance or regulation that uh, you've got to go through. I sighed, rolled my eyes and said, God damn it, compliance. And you're like, nah. This one's this one's worthy. So let's hear it. What what is uh, what's going on? Oh man, you know you really do like the blank page starting point. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't think probably a lot of a lot of these podcasts start off with with uh, SOC two and what what it's all about. Um, but uh, why why is that valuable to us as a company? So first, you know what SOC two you know, really means is it's it's really sort of touching on all aspects of your business from a security perspective to internal processes and controls. But it's it's a comprehensive way in which we are, you know, providing proof as to how we operate as a business and, and documenting everything in such a way that somebody external to the business can come in, review, audit, and and ultimately come back and tell us where where we're strong, where we're weak. Uh, um, and really the whole thing is is geared towards so it's voluntary. So we're doing this uh SOC two type two, you know, on our own as a business. Um and and What's really, I think, interesting in terms of why why we're doing it beyond just sort of the natural benefit of of going through and, and making sure that, that our internal processes and, and controls are sound is the fact that um, you know we want to sell our software to enterprises to publicly traded companies, and when we first began this journey, you know, being being sort of the Bitcoiners that we are, and you know, really being very proud of the solution that we had developed, one of the things that we were very clear, you know, we're able to sort of clearly state up front and be able to, to prove, you know, using the law and, and past precedent 
is that Sonoda is not a money transmitter. So in the U.S., being a money transmitter is, uh, you know, comes with, you know, whole sorts of, of actual, you know, sort of rules and things that you have to comply with because you're actually, you know, in in a in a in a different position than Sonoda is when it comes to how you interact with with people's money, how you interact with the financial system, and so in that way, we were we were very sort of proud of the fact that we we've, we've designed a solution, come up with the, an architecture that gets us very comfortably not not in the MTL position. Um, but then the the interesting feedback we got from some of the the companies that we talked to was, well, then what are you subject to? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do I know that the software is good then? Um, and and so I think you know for us that's something that we sort of hit us pretty early on in this process that you know we we don't have um, that same that same structure and we're we're happy about that, but we do need to take extra steps to provide assurance to our customers that you know as a company. You know, we're 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 not FTX. We're not doing expense reports via emoji. Um, we are doing everything you know in the right way. That you know, any 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 large company, small company, we're we're conducting our our business internally in the way that they would expect us to, given the trust that they're you know putting into our software. Um, and and so from that standpoint, you know, we're we're still you know a startup that we 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 got our funding back in September, so we're still you know barely uh, seven months into this journey and. Um, so I think we're we're sort of early to to adopt that, but honestly, it fits with our brand as a company. Um, you know, one of the things that always kind of gave gave some of our investors a chuckle was that our uh, our budget, you know, our financial forecast, we had accounting codes on it <laughs> from day one, and so you know it was a little bit a little bit overkill, but you know, hey, it made it really easy for us to be organized and then you know import the information directly into accounting software. So. Um, that's kind of our MO, our brand as a business. And so going the SOC 2 route ultimately was a fit. Um, I think what was just interesting for us in this journey was recognizing how important it would be to our customers that we provide that third party, um, you know, verification or sign off as to, you know, who we are and how we operate. Cool. Yeah. It, it's it's making people comfortable with you, right? Uh, especially when you're coming way out of left field with, Oh yeah, we we can stream you payments across the Lightning Network for the energy that you provide. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, that that's exactly right. You know, you 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 do have to take the all the all the steps to really make sure that you know you're you're sort of recognizing where people are, and you know you're going to be taking steps and moving them in a different direction. Um, but figuring out things like this that you know can give people that comfort that you know at the end of the day, here's here here's everything in a transparent way. Um, and, and what I think is really interesting. So part of that SOC 2 process is, you know, you go through third-party penetration testing of your system. Um, and, you know, that's good practice for any software company, uh, especially one like ours, but, you know, we, we fully embrace that, you know, went, went in and hired the best company we could find in the space, um, to do that. They tried like hell to, to break in for two straight weeks. Um, and, you know, it was a great, it was a great experience. I think we learned a lot from it. Um, also learned a lot about, you know, what we really like about how we've architected our solution. Um, you know, being, being fully decentralized software, um, has a lot of really big advantages, um, that make it very difficult for, um, anybody to, um, you know, find sort of that one honeypot that you're trying to protect because all of our customer information, everything about our system, our software is decentralized. So there's not, there's not one central location where they can try to, you know, try to break in. All right, let's let's get the plebs up to speed on what Sinota is. Then, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. what's what's the uh, 
the nutshell version and then i'll um i'll pull on some threads and we'll we'll go back to your past fiat life and everything that's led you here everybody loves a rabbit hole story uh so yeah what's the what's the down low okay so uh when we when we talk about sonoda what's really interesting is you know what we what we are saying today is that we are a transactive energy solution and I'm being really specific in using those terms, and they're probably not a term that a lot of people have heard before. Transactive. Um, but is, is that the word trans- you said? That's right. Transactive energy solution. Is transactive uh, like a, a new word you guys have made up, or that that's already that's no, an energy that's, field that's why thing? I, like- it's it's an energy thing. And so what's really interesting about this is that uh, back in the early 2000s, the Department of Energy um, and and really concentrated out of the Pacific Northwest National Lab um, had a, a really strong emphasis emerge out there focused on we have all of this technology that's making the home smarter, all the you know solar panels, distributed energy. And it was recognized 20 years ago that we needed a better way to ultimately think about the transaction there. We needed to have two-way communication between um, you know, su- supply and demand. We needed to have the ability to transfer value in addition to the energy itself. Um, and so that that sort of whole field and that term is really is a US government term. They they created it. Uh, or the Department of Energy did. And so, you know, what, what's what been really interesting to us as, as our solution has matured and as we've moved forward, uh, we've gotten a lot more comfortable using that, um, that, that word to describe it because we really are, you know, filling, filling what is a void today. There's, there's a number of companies that are working to enhance the way that, you know, energy markets work, enhance the way that payments work, but they're all built on you know other protocols, and and I think the only one, and for for all the reasons that we can, can of course you know skim over or jump into, you know we'll, we'll be able to do it in the best way on Lightning. Um, so, but what do we ultimately sort of kind of speak in 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 non-transactive energy solution terms? Kind of what what ultimately what we aim to do is we aim to synchronize the flow of energy or with the flow of payment and data. Um, and and when we say so, you use the word streaming perfectly fits here in this case as well. Um, but what we like to really think about is that we're really synchronizing the value streams around energy. Um, and so it, it does kind of fall align with, you know, uh, value for value podcasting in, in that way, just sort of similar similar viewpoint or similar sort of construct that that we would make here as it relates to energy. And, and so what our software does is it's a decentralized, um, a decentralized uh, lightning contract. And Effectively, anybody that is a party to an energy contract is going to be able to use our software to connect with each other. And so then the, the consumers can pay, pay the producers, but they can also pay the distribution company, the transmission company, the generators, et cetera. Um, and so really what we've built is that is that software that is spinning up nodes in the Lightning Network, enabling, enabling different parties within the energy system now to pay each other directly over the Lightning Network. Um, to settle their contracts on a more frequent basis. So today we're really focused on a daily settlement, but you could settle contracts every minute, every hour. You know, it's it's a completely flexible system. And so as users of our software, what what the customer has to do is digitize their contract up front, pair up with with you know whomever the the other parties are, and then you know, press go. Our onboarding is just as simple as signing up for auto bill pay today. Um, and and so you're able to experience a fully managed solution where you as the customer don't have to worry about, um, you know, channel opening, closing, liquidity, you know, none of those, none of those sort of complexities of lightning, uh, you know, the consumer gets exposure to today. Um, and, and so really it's just about 
kind of setting up the system, making sure that, you know, you as the uh, consumer have a source of funds established and, and you as the uh, the producer, the one who's receiving payment, you have a destination put in. Could you talk us through one of the, the more recent um, implementations or one of more recent customers, like a, a use case scenario? Mm -hmm. You don't have to dox the company, obviously, but just, just give us an idea of the kind of people that are coming to you and, and starting to use this now and, and see like the what we see, basically. Yeah, so where, where we are focused, so our go-to-market strategy as company is focused on Bitcoin mining. Um, and, and, and when I say Bitcoin mining, I mean the whole industry, the ecosystem around Bitcoin mining. Um, you know, what, what's really a huge advantage to our solution today is, is we have to think about on-ramps and off-ramps. And one of the good things about working with Bitcoin miners is, A, they're already on-ramped. You know, they, they're getting, you know, Bitcoin rewards every day. Um, and so it's really natural to set up a daily payment cycle, you know, that that ties directly into that that payout process. Um, and the other the other advantage to it is that Bitcoin miners today are are viewed as risky within the energy system. Um, so when I what I say by that is is energy companies focus a lot around credit risk. Um, so they typically provide energy to a customer, uh, you know, commercial or industrial customer, and then they bill them you know, on a net 30 basis. So at the end of 30 days, the bill goes out and then the company has usually 15, 30, 45 days to, to actually pay that bill. Um, and so it's in that time that you see a company that the consumer in that case, you know, gets, you know, 60 days worth of energy that they haven't paid for yet. So that's where the credit risk comes in. Um, well, Bitcoin, Bitcoin mining industry, you know, as a whole and, and it, not as a whole, but, um, for, for reasons that you know, folks who pay attention to the Bitcoin mining space will understand is that due to the, the ups and downs, um, you know, there have been energy, energy contracts that have been defaulted on um, you know, qu quite, quite a bit more than other industries. Um, and so for that reason, um, you know, their, Bitcoin miners are viewed as risky. And so what we see is here's an opportunity with them um, to basically set this up. So we're now, rather than having them either prepay for the energy or you know, pay 30 days after they consume it and have to post collateral. Now we can set up a daily payment structure where they're able to settle their contracts on a daily basis with, with the producers uh, or the, you know, the power suppliers that they work with. And, and so what's really neat about that is, so they're paying in Bitcoin, um, but then, you know, we're integrated with a third party today to then off-ramp it into USD. Um, so we're focused in the US right now, but to off-ramp it into USD um, for um, the energy supplier, for the hosting company, for the broker, Really, anybody who is in that that value chain today can be paid either in Bitcoin or dollars, and and it and it all happens, you know, instantly over the Lightning Network. So, pitching this obviously to the Bitcoin mining companies is easy, like you know, they're kind of like, where were you five years ago, right? But what <laughs> what about what about the other side of that deal? Um, how have you found having those meetings and and helping them understand like the benefits of being paid? Per minute or per day. I mean, they, they must get it, obviously, on an accounting standpoint, if you're speaking to the right people. But when they're, like you said, you know, Bitcoin companies are, are viewed as being risky and bad for the environment and all of this other FUD. And have any of them even understood the fact that they're, they're using, you know, a Bitcoin payment rail like Lightning? And uh, are you finding people open to it or close to it what what's been or a mix what what what's been going on in the uh in the boardrooms 
Yeah. Okay. So I, I think I, I also didn't even fully answer your last question, which is, so our, our, our very first commercial um, implementation was with a Bitcoin miner and their hosting company. So, and, and the, the next series of them will, will be, will be similar to that. Um, but so to answer, to answer your specific question, what I think is interesting. So I'm going to talk about really for our software, it's a two-sided sales. So we're selling to the energy supplier, the hosting company on one side, um, and then we're selling to the Bitcoin mine on the other side. Um, and in the nature of the sale can vary depending on the arrangement. Um, you know, we have some hosting companies that are requiring the software to be used. Others are offering it as an option. Um, but I'll talk first and foremost about actually the Bitcoin miners, because it's not actually a slam dunk there. Um, you know, hmm. through, through all the market research that, that we've done, we really kind of break the Bitcoin mining industry into to three buckets. You have, and the, the smallest of the buckets are the Bitcoin miners that uh, are pure hodlers. So you know, they may be vertically integrated. Um, they may, you know, be basically using this as a vehicle to invest USD and get Bitcoin out. And so they have no intention of selling their Bitcoin. So coming to them with a solution that says, pay your energy bills in Bitcoin doesn't really appeal to them. Um, so that's, that's, you know, so they're very bullish and, and, and excited about the technology, but not, um, you know, not, not looking to adopt it to pay their bills. Um, <clears throat> the second group, I would say mostly sort of, buckets around probably the largest Bitcoin miners, um, you know, but that's, that's, that's uh, maybe not a hundred percent, you know, true in all scenarios, but seems to be sort of the mode when, when talking with a large Bitcoin miner because of, you know, the, the Bitcoin assets that, that, you know, they generate on a daily basis and the sophistication of those companies, they tend to have more sophisticated approaches to their Bitcoin. So they're not looking, and they also have a balance sheet that they can draw that that's holding cash. So for them, it's they're looking at their balance sheet of both as both Bitcoin and dollars, and and they're making decisions on you know a day by day, a month by month basis as to which asset to use when to pay their expenses, to pay their debts. I mean, it's it's just much more sophisticated in how they approach things. And so you know today what we offer is you know not doesn't it's it's sophisticated in the sense of the technology, but in terms of you know, balancing between cash and Bitcoin, you know, we don't have that level of sophistication, you know, baked into our software today. Um, so, you know, we're not, we're not really sort of the ideal, they're not our ideal customers today either would be the more sophisticated focused on treasury management at sort of that next level. Um, and so what we think is the third bucket, and we think this is the largest one, are the, you know, both in number and in, in potentially in, in megawatts, I think that may, you know, you may have to kind of, do the math and maybe neck and neck at the end of the day, but this one is really the ones where it really is about sort of operational excellence, managing managing performance down to the day of the machines, making sure your machines are up all the time, and you're really trying to really focus on your margin, focus on your cash flow, and you are looking to get the best you know power contracts you can with the the, the lowest collateral you can, um, and so you know talking to those companies about a solution where you're able to take. Today, a process where there, you know, somebody in the company goes out to Coinbase, or they have a, you know, this account set up on Coinbase that automatically liquidates some of their Bitcoin, you know, to take that process that they're already doing, which is continuously liquidating Bitcoin to pay bills, and now automating it for them and using the Lightning Network to then ultimately enhance their risk profile to their customers. Um, so that those are the ones that we really strongly appeal to there. Um, and, and with all of those, it's, you know, 100% they want to use the solution because what we're offering is, is you know, a, a better process. And in going back to where we started the conversation, it's also a very tightly controlled process. Um, so, 
you know, from anybody on the outside looking in is going to say, I have hundred percent confident in how this, how the software is, you know, tied into your revenue to pay your bills on time in the right amount every day. So people want to be their counterparts when they're using our software. Um, so then when we move over to, then we'll say the supplier and hosting side. So there's, there's a little bit of overlap there. Some energy suppliers also are, are providing infrastructure and, and so doing some of the hosting type services. Um, you know, there's, I guess it's, it's more of a, I, I would say a continuum than anything, although there are specific regulatory, uh, you know, nuances that, that would obviously sort of categorize people. Um, but what I'll say is that when it comes to uh, mining hosting companies, you know, they're, they, you know, by and large are, are younger companies. I mean, you know, we haven't had a robust Bitcoin mining industry in the U S for a long time. So there's a lot of processes that, that take place there that are, you know, still done in Excel, still manual. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's, 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 you know, a really fruitful conversation to come in and talk about what are the things that you can automate, how you can, how our software can create verifiable, audible records, you know, all of those things that sort of check the boxes for them. Um, and ultimately, like I said, you know, reduce the, the risk profile of their customers. So hosting companies, you know, it, it's really, it's, I'd say that's been, you know, another one of those areas where we've had a lot of great conversations, a lot of great, you know, progress and commercial, uh, you know, advancement there. Uh, when it comes to, you know, moving into the, the realm of energy suppliers, generally energy suppliers have been, been around longer, um, you know, because of, because of the nature of the entities that they as well interact with, you know, they have established, uh, you know, accounting processes, you know, from day one. And so if it's a 10 year old company, well, they've got a 10 year old accounting process, um, you know, and so I think with those companies, what we see is that they absolutely love the solution, credit and collateral and cash flow, these are universal problems in the energy industry. Every energy company faces these, deals with these, sees these as, as a giant suck of time, resources, and money. So that is that is universally understood within the industry. Um, and so, and, and certainly energy suppliers see it the exact same way. Um, but I put them generally in like the fast follower category um, where, you know, they, they see the benefit, but they want to see, um, you know, other folks sort of take that, that leap first uh, around you know, how do we do the accounting integration? I can tell you right now, it's actually really straightforward and, and it simplifies every accountant's life uh, quite a bit. Um, but, you know, what we ultimately, as you get to more mature companies, you have to sort of prove it first. And th there's there's other opportunities here as well, I suppose, especially in with, with housing, hosting companies, excuse me, because uh, I, I would imagine they're they're renting large units so they could be paying rental to the estate agent that's looking after that um or the property owner daily as well rather than monthly because people renege on their their rental sometimes right uh so th there's another avenue here it's awesome it is it, it i think the, the one of the really cool things is that and we're already seeing this where other parties so you know we obviously start off like i said two-sided sale but then you know, one of the the first implementations, you know, actually it was a broker that brought us into that equation because, you know, in the world of of energy supply, brokers tend to be, you know, they add a lot of value up front and help get get these deals off the ground, get get you know sites energized. But when it comes to sort of on a on a payment basis, they can be the last ones that get paid out of you know three, four, five parties. Mm. Um, and and so, you know, they they their calculation is very simple. It's you know one or two mils off of every megawatt that gets consumed or kilowatt hour that gets consumed. So they can, they can say, Hey, I'm reading the meter. I know how much I should be paid today. Well, 
we can now effectuate that and, and get them paid every day. Um, and, and so just, just the same for the broker as the energy supplier as the hosting company. Wow. That incentivizes everybody on that deal. Yeah. It, it, the, the incentive alignment is, is why I love Bitcoin. Um, you know, <laughs> from the, from the bottom up, uh, the right incentives are there. So that, that gives me a, a nice little segue here to the, um, the rabbit hole story and what you were doing before Bitcoin, obviously something led you here. So let's go way back. Let's go back before you even discovered Bitcoin, before Bitcoin was even invented. What what was going on mm-hmm. back in those times, like post-university, you know, uh, what led you into, I believe you spent your whole career in the energy in- uh, industry. Something led you there. Yeah. And, and I can't give a total po- post, you know, academic because really the, the first half of my career was in academia, um, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a, you know, a researcher uh, in the energy space, um, which, you know, led, led me to really get a deep understanding of, of the natural gas industry in particular. Um, and, and so I, I can leave it sort of in a truncated view there, but really the first, the first seven years of, of energy for me were as in the role of a researcher, um, you know, digging into data, doing building and, quantitative and he can't models say and things like that. For. Oh no, I can't because it was yeah, okay. so. Yeah, uh, sorry, no, no. It, I was just trying to spare 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 the listeners a little, right. the, the, all the, the details. <laughs> I thought there was a juicy um, story there for like. You know. <laughs> no, no, no. It's um, it's 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 actually it, it was really. I had had wonderful experiences. So first and foremost, I was at the University of Dayton. Um, University of Dayton is is well known from uh, sort of a building and building you know uh, building design control energy efficiency perspective. Um, so I got to work with some great folks there doing research on energy efficiency. Um, then I went to grad school. I went to Carnegie Mellon. Um, there I did, uh, you know, did my my PhD thesis on really three hot topics within what what you know we call shale gas. But there's you know it's a it's a type of natural gas development that that was really springing up during during my time in Western Pennsylvania. And so I got to sort of be on the ground as this new industry was coming coming to town and, and growing rapidly. And so ripped three things out of the headlines and said, let's actually get some objective, you know, science behind that to really understand what, what the truth is. And that was um, the, um, from, from what I understand, that was like the, the fracking industry. Was that the fracking that's right. kind of boom? Okay. Yes, yeah, and that's of course, exactly right. From an outsider looking in, you know, fracking bad, right? Bad for the environment, bad for this, but it gets in the water and all of these, uh, I, who knows what the actual truth is. So could you, Give us some of the, uh, the you know, the, the stuff and the data that you found doing the research, doing the actual work, boots on the ground. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for for the folks listening, so when we talk about fracking, it's there's really there's actually really kind of two things that were two technologies that converged at in really the same around the same time um, in terms of their maturity and ready to to sort of enable um, natural gas development from shale at scale. And in one was uh, horizontal drilling. Um, so that basically means uh, a natural gas, you know, uh, oil, oil and gas company, natural gas company, they can drill a well down five, 10,000 feet vertically. Mm-hmm. And then they can turn that well in 90 degrees and then go another 10,000 feet, sometimes up to 20,000 feet. It is wild technology. And the entire time they're actually steering the drill bit to put it right in the middle of what can be you know, a layer of rock that is only 100, 200 feet thick. And they're trying to steer this drill bit, you know, many miles, many miles away uh, underground and keep it right in what they call the landing zone. It is incredible technology. Um, 
And so on top of that, then came, you know, hydraulic fracturing. Hydraulic fracturing, another thing that's really interesting, sort of um, a government-led effort back in the 70s that really sort of sprung that technology, you know, you know, sort of planted the seed around that technology. Um, and it was, you know, right around um, the, you know, 2010s, late, late 2000s that, you know, all of the pieces and parts that enable you to basically take a liquid, push it into that, the, the hole that's been drilled at a very high pressure um, and, and with something they call propent, which is, um, you know, in some cases sand, but now more often it's sort of a manufactured, you know, product, you know, you basically pump it into this, this, this rock that contains natural gas in very small pores and, and then open all those little pores up. And then, you know, over the course of, uh, you know, especially over the course of the first like three to six months, a ton of natural gas comes out. And then over time, it slowly, you know, dwindles off, but, you know, well can produce for, for decades, uh, natural gas after they do that, that process. So those two technologies came together right at the same time that it just opened up a reservoir that, um, you know, previously was thought to be unaccessible in a commercial way. Mm -hmm. um, and there is a, what's cool about shale, what, what people don't often know is, is shale is really the source rock. So you think about when we were getting natural gas uh, 50, 60, 100 years ago, even, we were getting natural gas that had already seeped out of the shale and just worked its way upward and gotten trapped. So it would get trapped in a dome. And what we were basically doing is we were sticking straws in and sucking it out of, out of that dome of natural gas that got trapped. So it was very accessible, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't created there. It was created, the natural gas was formed in the shale. And so that's why this is so amazing is we have, we have gone to the source and, um, and it's a very rich source in, in a lot of parts of the U.S. Um, okay, so my, so my, my geology is, is very, very weak. So shale is a rock that's found you know god knows where subterranean and is it's producing the gas it's not trapping the gas is being produced within the shale rock itself yeah so it, it's it's that is the organic material is decomposing mm -hmm. so you know when you think about what in in the marcella shale which is in pennsylvania ohio uh, a little bit in new york and west virginia that where it's you know at, economic that marcella shale you know that used to be long time ago the 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 floor of a sea and so mm -hmm. a ton of a ton of organic material i don't know it was like three five hundred million years ago I'm, i don't remember my dates anymore but you know that used to be a, a tropical sea you know dinosaurs died you know it's all it's all trapped in there um and and so it's in that way that 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 dead and decomposing material over time has, has been a giant source of, of natural gas. Um, but it, it, what it is, is it's, it's continuously cooking. So um, as certain parts, you know, fast forward another hundred million years, the places they're drilling today may not be economic a hundred million years from now. Um, and, and maybe not even that far in the future, but it's, it's important to know that it is, it's constantly, you know, changing. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not a static thing. Um, and so you're finding the formation today in the right circumstance to be able to produce because the Marcella shale actually is bigger than those states that I just mentioned. It's just not economical everywhere else because um, it's either overcooked or undercooked is the, is the easy way to think about it. All right. Okay. So then what about some of the FUD that we were seeing? Yeah. You know, we're used to seeing FUD in the Bitcoin space. Uh, obviously, FUD comes out around new technologies. I'm sure um, 
other industries were were funding FUD to to make sure that uh, that you know to try and trip up the the natural gas people. What 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 did you what did you see? What did you hear? And what can you either confirm or debunk? You know, I think the the thing is that it's it, it's really what's interesting in um, a situation like I got to experience in that time. I mean, so it went from nothing to now the dominant economic force in the region. Um, and that was over a period of, of five years. Um, what you see is you, a lot of things changing and happening in real time, a lot of information that's not known. I think, you know, as we sit here today, there's, 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 there's real environmental harm that happens when you lay pipelines and drills well, drill wells. It's, you know, it's all part of, you know, it's it's well known sort of what's happening here. Um, you know, you can look at at pictures of parts of Pennsylvania that used to be continuous forest that are now, you know, chopped up with well pads and with you know pipelines. You know, they don't grow forest back on top of those things. They have to stay that way for as long as those those the the wells are in production. Um, and you know, so the research is clear in terms of what does that mean for the animals that enjoy continuous forest. Um, but there's also some animals that thrive. So I, I always tell people when it comes to environmental things, there's no, um, there, there's, it's never not, there's always a lot of nuance. Um, and, and I think that it, it ultimately does boil down to the quality of the operator doing, doing things, you know, do the, do the people really care about how they're doing things? Do they cut corners or, or not? Um, I, I tend to just see that being the biggest source of differentiation in terms of ultimately what are the environmental outcomes going to be? Um, and when it came to my, my research, you know, the research that I did, uh, without going into the individual things, it, it showed that, you know, I did one paper that said, Hey, the industry can do better. I did one paper that said the environmentalists are, are they're, they're, they're concerned without, without, you know, cause. And I did a third paper that said the regulators need to get better data because they're giving both sides bad information. And, and so <clears throat> I guess through that lesson, I just learned that if there's no there's no black and white per se it's it's you just have to dig in and understand work to work to bring the best operators into the space and think long term the my biggest thing that i kind of walked away from that i still think is is woefully you know misunderstood and for the people i do understand it you know in, intentionally not being addressed to the way it should is environment long-term environmental liabilities um and what ultimately happens is in when we talk about fossil fuel development, it is very profitable when you drill that new well. You know, you can earn your money back in a matter of months because so much natural gas comes out. But when you think about sort of the economic incentives within the industry, it's not the case that the same company that drilled the well is going to be the same company that holds on to it through its lifetime. And what we see through time is that in, in past experience has proven this time and time again is that those those fossil fuel assets over time they get moved downward and downward into less and less capitalized less and less rigorous companies because they just become less economically valuable so they only interest companies that are not as you know economically strong or sort of have a public image to to maintain and things of that nature so what is is something that I wish could be changed is how we think more long term about the liabilities, because what what continues to happen and, and nothing has really changed in a, in the way that it should be changed still is that that 
those liabilities ultimately fall to the public, ultimately sort of become problems that, you know, over time start to begin polluting the environment because, you know, it's it's an asset that's now being, you know, sitting there unmaintained and stuff like that. So that's that is that is the one thing I wish wish we could we could all stack hands on and and, and just agree that you know what we've got a we've got a plan for the future. Does Bitcoin fix that? You know what's interesting. I, I think Bitcoin has a role to play in that because um, I think what's what what something that I looked at early on, kind of as I started to understand Bitcoin, was just a lot of those assets have they have a productive life to them. But what is interesting is that as, and I, I focus a lot on natural gas here. So, but natural gas as that well, you know, begins to, to trail off, it's still producing a decent amount of natural gas, but the problem is it's lost a lot of pressure. And so it costs the company money to pressurize it, to put it into a pipeline. So if you can avoid having to pressurize it and put it into a pipeline and you could actually just consume it on site, um, you know, there may be something there. And I think some, some folks have, have looked into that. Um, I don't know where the kind of the, if anybody's sort of doing that, that work commercially today. Um, but I do think that there's, it's, it's useful, it's energy that could be used. Uh, mm-hmm. and I think that the you know, future applications potentially involving Bitcoin could, can find ways to do it. So in that case, in, in that scenario, let's say that one of these wells has come to its, um, you know, kind of final end, the pressure isn't high enough. We can't transport that gas any further along that pipe, but we can get like uh, uh, upstream data style shipping container full of ASICs out there and we can use what is still being produced by the um, by the well. Is that what you call it? A well? Yeah. Uh, yep. To, to mine the Bitcoin. Uh, then start dismantling the pipe so the forest can buy, uh, start growing back and the animals can return. I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, is that too utopian? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's it's. Uh, listen, I'd have to I'd have to see the numbers to believe it, um, but but I mean, I think I think those are those are definitely the innovative things that we we can be thinking about. Is you know, this is an energy source. We the work has been done to tap into it. Um, you know, how can we leverage it to extend the life, um, and you know, in that way, also you know, generate new economic you know generate new resources to help address some of the issues uh, with with reclaiming that that land. When did you start uh, so, so research? And then I believe you started working in the actual industry itself. So, yeah. So after, so I did research. I did one more, I spent a year on a postdoc, which was all methane emissions related, which was really cool. But I'll skip over that because then I had had a fork in the road of, you know, stay sort of in the NGO environmental route or go into industry. You know, I wanted to uh, to go straight into oil and gas and really experience that. And that was an incredible time. I mean, the numbers, the scale, uh, it is, it is a lot of fun to to really think about, you know, energy development at scale, um, and to to really imagine sort of how you are thinking in three D at all times. Um, so that was a really cool experience. Um, then, um, you know, had had a kid moved out to to Columbus, Ohio. Um, so I was in Pittsburgh still at that time. Came to Columbus, um, and uh, and and all started working at an, an energy retailer. So. Um, you know, at energy retail, you know, that's kind of a broad, broad, broad word in terms of what the actual scope was. But this company did uh, retail electric and, and uh, retail electric and gas also had, you know, solar and a natural, you know, natural gas vehicle uh, division. So got to experience a lot of those things, but I'll focus a whole lot on risk 
quantitative finance, um, a lot on um, supply analytics and, and forecasting how much our customers were going to demand. So heavily quantitative role there um, and, and a lot focused on risk. Um, so I was there for a period of time with them moving to a, then a public uh, utility. Um, so electric and gas regulated utility that, you know, has uh, almost 4 million customers. And in there, my, my focus was sort of risk for the whole company strategy for the company. Um, and, you know, again, it was kind of those, those experiences where I'm sort of deep in the finance and risk side of things that, you know, really was, was for me kind of the beginning of, of kind of realizing what, what ultimately, you know, was part of what myself and my co-founders saw together around, you know, the opportunity, because my day in both of those last two roles was so heavily focused on, uh, on credit risk, uh, cash flow. Um, and, and it was interesting to me that, you know, when you work for an energy company, you think you'd be spending a lot of time focused on weather, aging infrastructure, markets. And there were some days that those three things were secondary to what felt, what, what seemed, you know, what, if you looked at my, what was on my, my computer screen, you'd think I was working at a bank, um, mm -hmm. from the type of work that I was doing. Um, and so that, that disconnect that, you know, exists in the energy industry between, how we ultimately think about the molecules and electrons versus then how we actually finally settle the financial side of things. It's their worlds apart. Uh, and that's where you see just the, the source of, of all this risk of all this, uh, uh, you know, cash flow issues and, and then sort of secondary problems from that, that ultimately lead to higher costs to the consumer, um, a lot of capital being stuck on the sidelines and ultimately inhibit innovation in the energy space. And now we have money, which are electrons, right? So and now we have money and electrons together. Yeah, it's beautiful. I, I had Nick um, from Luxor Mining on. That's how we got connected, which right. uh, th there's a tie in here, right? Because if you if you consider yourself sitting at your old, old job, um, your, your old role at a Bitcoin mining company, for example, and all of that because Bitcoin mining companies got a lot of risk to deal with as well. Um, so it's interesting the uh, the products that are coming out for them to be able to now manage that risk, and like you you guys are fitting in like a, a glove as well. Like uh, so, you can now pay stream sats for whatever energy that you're using immediately, or you can go the other route, keep the sats on your balance sheet, and then use. Uh, something like Luxor that's offering derivatives on um, mm -hmm. mining um, kind of uh, metrics, whether that's hash power or difficulty adjustment or whatever. This industry is, I mean, the financialization side of Bitcoin, I suppose. Yeah, I, I think it's what's cool is, is um, and, you know, I talk about this with um, with Alan and, and Lisa, my two co-founders quite a bit, um, you know, because we, we've gotten to experience this and in, in, from our previous roles in energy, you know, we're very accustomed to to the financialization side of things. Um, and, and so we all see it as as inevitable that, you know, all of the the different types of, of contracts and structured products that exist in the energy space, those are all coming to Bitcoin. Um, and it'll get really interesting as the, you know, the energy and the Bitcoin ones, you know, really start to merge together um, to, you know, come up with new ways to manage risk. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, we're we're all really but does excited that include that. like uh, forward contracts, options, uh, other other things like that? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it, it's it's all those things. But there's there's a whole lot of there's a whole you know world of things that are you know very 
you know, not, those are kind of vanilla ones. There's, there's a whole other world out there of, of things that get, you know, different, you know, manage risk in different ways have, have different, you know, are, are sort of not just focused on one commodity, but now bring in multiple commodities and to help sort of, you know, spread out the risk um, or to, you know, take a bet to one side or the other. All right. Uh, cool. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of interesting stuff. Lauren's just uh, walked in to ask you a question. She wasn't available at the beginning of the show. So she's going to have to come in halfway learn. through. It wouldn't have mattered. You had a, you hadn't made it at four o'clock anyway. All right. Now talking <laughs> to the mic. Um, so since I'm late and I have really no other questions to ask, um, so I'm just going to ask my original question. What is your favorite thing about Bitcoin? Well, thank you very much for the question, Lauren. I appreciate that. Um, you know, my favorite thing about Bitcoin is is going to be the people today. Um, you know, what what has has truly been, uh, and, and I'll, I'll admit, Lauren, my question, my response to that question may change over time, um, and it probably has been different in previous things. But as I sit here, right here, right now, um, I, I feel so blessed to work with the people that I get to work with. Um, you know, this industry um, from the very beginning, thinking, you know, open source, collaborating on its development and and getting to where we are today, you know, it, it attracts a certain type of person who is, is you know, imaginative and very hopeful. Um, and that for me is, is been the best thing because I've made so many great friends, connections, and, you know, I look forward to going to conferences and, and you know, seeing people who I now consider friends. Um, I never worked with a better group of people um, than, you know, who work for Sonoda today. Uh, you know, we're all Bitcoiners, uh, but very different backgrounds. Um, but it's it's sort of what is all attracting us to this space um, and, and what sort of unites us, you know, this this shared purpose. Uh, it's really been it's really been awesome. And so as I say here today, first thing I thought on is that I just feel very blessed to be working with with, you know, with Bitcoiners. Yeah, that's that's pretty much my answer too. I love hanging out with the Bitcoiners. Yeah, we so. just did it all weekend, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We 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 drove down to Andorra to to go for a meetup and um hung out with Bitcoiners the whole weekend. That's awesome. But yeah, every time I went, I was mostly sleeping on someone's couch. So that's because <laughs> we, we talked till at midnight and one AM. <laughs> You're staying up till one AM? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, of course, because dad's busy talking about Bitcoin. He doesn't see the time and like, uh, oh, <laughs> your daughter just fell asleep on the couch. Oh, shit. Right. Okay, let's go. <laughs> time flies. I love it. Exactly. So what did what did you learn this last weekend, Lauren? What did I learn this week? No, this weekend. Wait, from this the, weekend. Um, from hanging with the Bitcoiners. Just love that the Bitcoin isn't actually in your wallet. Hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a very that's a key thing to learn. It is a key. <laughs> All right. Excellent. I love it. Well, thanks for your question. Yeah. Thank Bye. you very much. Thank nice you. to meet you. Nice to meet you. All right. We, we've got to that point in the show where you're going to tell us your rabbit hole story. What led you to look into that that hole? Because there you are, you're fine, you got your kid, you moved to Columbus, you got a nice job, well paid, I'm sure, well done you, mm -hmm. you know, very good career. All of a sudden, something taps you on the shoulder and says, yo, you better look at this quick. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was early 2021. Um, you know, I, so I'd, I'd been, um, you know, 
I've had a DCA since early 2018. Um, you know, when, uh, you know, right around the, the run up there and, and sort of sitting around traders and commodities being, you know, their, their business, it got everybody excited. Um, not that we were trading Bitcoin there, but it just, it was interesting. And so I just said, Hey, there's something here that I, I, I like and, you know, began the process of just slowly learning. Um, but really where, when I, when I dove in was, was early 2021, here I am, I'm thinking about, you know, working at the utility at the time, thinking about, you know, strategic ways forward. Um, you know, that utility was positioned in a way that, you know, that I saw potentially a lot of opportunity with Bitcoin mining um, for them specifically. And so, you know, after a, a couple months of, of talking with, with my, my boss at the time, who uh, is a good friend and in love, you know, but not a, not a Bitcoiner, um, you know, finally convinced him to send me to Bitcoin Miami. And, you know, I showed up there, you know, in a suit just as I would at a normal energy conference and, you know, quickly, you know, realized I was a little out of place wearing that suit, but <laughs> felt right at home otherwise. Um, and what was really cool was, um, you know, ended up attending the uh, Thank God for Bitcoin um, prayer breakfast that Jimmy Song hosted. Um, and, you know, just did that on, on a whim. I didn't, didn't have really any intentionality behind it, except for, you know, it was, you know, was something that I wanted to do and ended up meeting up with, uh, you know, a number of great folks there, but then, you know, met the, a lot of the team from Ibex at the time and they, you know, were just getting off the ground had just, you know, gotten some initial funding through the door. Um, and so, you know, basically spent most of that week, you know, hanging around the Ibex team at various times, they introduced me to Greg Foss. Um, who, you know, Greg speaks my language of risk and, you know, quantitative things. So, I was, you know, here I am taking notes, writing stuff down. He sent, sent me the, you know, link to his, his bond paper that I had to read. And so, of course, I did. Um, and, you know, and basically that whole that whole week, that experience, but in particularly the IBEX team and Greg Foss, I have to give them credit because they both sort of came at me from different angles. Um, but I'll never forget, you know, that plane ride home just writing everything down that I could uh, to sort of put on paper what what I now understood to be sort of the the incentive model of Bitcoin. And I don't know if that's the exact right term, but just really understanding the incentives and how all the different pieces and parts work together. It was through that trip that I was able to really put them together. And, you know, once, once I saw it, you know, couldn't unsee it and knew that that was something that, you know, I was going to be fully invested in from that point forward um, and was super energized. Um, so that, that is the story of, of how I got there, um, to Bitcoin itself. And then the epiphany start dropping, right. And you can't sleep. You find yourself waking up at 3am with like, yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so true. Yeah. I, I, there are so many, so many, so many nights that are, you know, sleepless due to excitement. And, and I think that is so much fun. Um, and especially when we started, you know, started the Sonoda because we, it was, um, you know, several months after that, that, you know, just started having conversations with, um, so Lisa, my sister, um, she's one of the co-founders, mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, my good friend, Alan, um, you know, we, we started having conversations, you know, I, I had begun attending the, the Columbus, you know, Bitcoin meetup, um, and, you know, started making good friends with a couple of engineers there. And so it was sort of by the end of 2021 that, you know, we, we had started really sort of getting getting thoughts organized, getting, you know, getting pen to paper. Um, and, you know, then it was okay. You know, any, any, all the nights and weekends were then being sort of consumed by, um, you know, building a company. So do, do your day job during the day. And then um, at night, you know, get as much done as you can while still, you know, being there for, uh, 
<laughs> everything else, but it really was was an all all consuming thing. Um, but for all of our reasons, let let's not wash over that point because you made a huge decision. You you threw in the towel on your Fiat job. This is what so many people want to do. So many listeners, a lot of people reaching out to me all the time in DMs or whenever I meet them in the conferences. Just like, how do I make this happen? How do I get out of my job? I do you know any companies that are hiring? Is the most common question. Uh, because obviously my network through doing the podcast, I know a lot of people. Um, the, these are big decisions, obviously. How did you handle it? Um, okay, so I think there's two things that I'll say. So the first thing is, is you know, being being somebody who loves and speaks the language of risk, like that is just like if I had to say there's there's something that I think I was born to do, it's it's to think about risk and uncertainty. Like I love those topics. Um and and so very intentional from the get-go in terms of how what were the steps to where ultimately you know given that i had a family given that all of my co-founders we all have a family and and everybody that's on the team you know has responsibilities at home so you know none of us are in a position to where we could just you know sleep on a couch and eat ramen for the next year and and you know we all had to, to really make this work um to so very deliberate in terms of how we built the company um, to arrive at a place where, you know, we were able to, you know, take that leap knowing that, you know, we were going to then be able to secure financing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so I say that because, you know, everybody's journey is going to be different to sort of their situation and, and how they need to sort of think about their responsibilities, what it is that is exciting to them. Um, so that's piece number one. Um, so I guess this, so then, the, the second part that I'll say, um, and, and I think, you know, I, Jeff Booth, I won't even be able to paraphrase it precisely well, but, you know, he said something on a podcast recently around maybe Cafe Bitcoin there. He talked about, you know, there's, you just have to, like, if if you want to be in this space, like it's, it, it really is sort of in that proof of work way of like, you just have to get into it. Um, and, and, and it's not, it's it's really the case that you know you're going to find that perfect job offer in an industry this small, um, where there's probably a ton of competition by other eager Bitcoiners to get in. Um, I think you have to, by and large, create the opportunities. Uh, I think that's that's the pathway I would recommend to people if they don't, you know, search for jobs. Sure, but there is so much opportunity out there. I could tell you that when it comes to cash flow issues and and things of that nature, you know, there are a hundred industries out there. That are experiencing cash flow issues that have their own nuances, their own challenges, their own things to consider to bring a solution to them that will ultimately work. You know, me and my team, we have energy expertise. That's why we're focusing there. But you know, I've one of the guys who shares our office with us, um, you know, he's in the he's a you know trucking and logistics industry. Mm -hmm. Cash flow is a disaster in that industry. Yeah. Um, you know, if I had if there was two of me, I'd go sit with him every day and come up with a solution. Mm -hmm. Um you know, so I think it's 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 really sort of applying yourself, digging in at nights and weekends, um, and and taking it step by step. I mean, it wasn't that hey, we founded Sonoda overnight. It was, you know, thirty minutes every night, an hour every night. You know, and we we just we built and we got feedback and we built and and so there was a lot of building before we finally had something that we could talk to, you know, to investors about. Have some that investors were willing to actually put money behind. Um, so, in that way, it's there's just so much opportunity out there. This is a nascent industry. I, I just think that you, 
you, you have, at the end of the day, you can't have zero risk. And so you have to figure out what ultimately is going to get you comfortable, but there's no scenario where you get to go through life and, and get to join an industry as new and dynamic as this without taking a risk. Um, and, and so I would encourage everybody to just accept that how much risk you can take is going to be a, a function of your individual circumstances, but even in ours, um, you know, taking a risk, mm -hmm. um, you know, I had a very, I had what I would say is the, the best possible job you can have at a publicly regulated utility. Um, that is about as, as secure and well-paying as that was, you know, it was, it was a great setup. Um, people thought I was crazy to be <laughs> leaving it. Yes. So, um, I took a giant pay cut to, to come here, you know, like that's just the nature of it. Um, but you know, able to make it work and I'm in, I'm having more fun today, uh, than I have at any point in my career. Um, and I am so lucky to be working with the people I'm working with. So at the end of the day, no regrets. Um, and, and I think that I haven't talked to a single person who's entered this industry, regardless of how they got here, who regrets joining it. How important were those, those meetups and those in-person kind of um, meetings that you would have with, whether it's with the team or with strangers, uh, but Bitcoiners at the same time when you were going through that process? Yeah, well, the first two engineers we hired, um, you know, met them at the meetup. Um, okay. And then, you know, Max uh, in, in specific, you know, Max and Colin, um, you know, both, they're both friends, um, people that I, you know, admire, respect, and and just think the world of for, you know, not only who they are as people, but also just sort of the depth of their knowledge and the passion they bring to the space. Um, you know, it is it is truly their passion that helped suck me in even further. Uh, it's their ingenuity that, you know, when I talk to to Max, I'll never I will never forget the night when, you know, three ish four months into just ideating and and thinking about what, where we can take this, you know, having a you know here we are you know ten thirty p.m. at night you know hanging around the table with just a few stragglers left and I'm talking with Max about hey this is this problem we want to solve and in his exact words I'll never forget where we can solve that and and so you know then we started putting putting in okay, well, what does solving this mean? And, you know, Max being as talented as he is, you know, started, you know, churning out code. Um, and, you know, it was, uh, you know, we were able to get get that first MVP, um, you know, put together pretty quickly to help prove that what we said we could do, we could do. Um, and and then, you know, things just picked up steam from there. So, yeah, it's it's hugely important. And what I'll also say is it's it doesn't stop there um, because, you know, what's been really neat uh, is that, you know, that our Columbus Bitcoin media continues to grow. So when I started going, it was kind of right at the very beginning. You know, there's like four, five, six people there. Um, and we've had events recently where there's been 50 people. Um, and and so I think it's now it's, you know, the relationship that we have with the meetup is 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 even better, you know, because we're now we're we're helping to, 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 you know, we host the meetup once a quarter now at our office. Um, and, you know, we have opportunities to, to, you know, further bring people into the space, um, through that meetup, because it's now we're, now we're able to do some things that are really cool to sort of highlight, here's what's happening in Columbus. Uh, here's this community that's growing. Um, and, and you see the different, you know, unique talents and things that people bring, um, you know, you, everybody's got, you know, somebody who's got a special skill set. you know, we've got, you know, um, somebody who's really, you know, makes amazing maple syrup um, and brings it to our meetup and, and sells it for Bitcoin. Um, you know, we have another person who's amazing at videography and, 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 you know, production. And so they've been, you know, filming, filming some of our events. 
you know, things like people bringing their, their own talents, you know, to this. Um, and it just goes to show that the whole ecosystem needs everybody contributing in different ways. Um, but that's where that, that, those, that common purpose unites us. And, and we find ways to do things that are really cool and special. So I just, I'm excited that it's going to, you know, momentum continues to build, um, you know, within Columbus. And I think a lot of meetups can say that, and that's really cool. Yeah, it's so awesome. And like this idea of the social layer of Bitcoin, I know listeners are going to roll their eyes as I shill orange pill app and any conference out there, but I I truly mean it when, when you do get to meet Bitcoiners in real life, if you've never had that experience, like 2021 in Miami, right? Like you will never forget that for the rest of your life because look what you're exposed mm. to. A team of young people, like I know who's, uh, Jose, um, co-founder of uh, Ibex, they're so focused on what they're doing they're trying to build a, a payments network and greg that knows how to risk and like bam it's like oh yeah shit i just bring these things together and i create a company mm-hmm. you, you would you wouldn't mm-hmm. be here today if you'd not gone and met those people and that's why i really kind of beat the drum on get out there meet your plebs find your people because incredible things happen when you do that's exactly right um i i i yeah couldn't have said it better all right We've got to start wrapping it up because I see the time here and I've got the uh, the last question to ask you. If you had one last orange pill left to give to somebody, who would you give it to and why? Hmm. You know, a number of names are circulating through, so now I'm trying to figure out what's the uh, <laughs> what's the one that that. You know what? I, I I don't know if this is going to be the exact perfect answer for this, but I'll I'll say my kids. Um, and and I don't have any concern that, but I think you know it's, it was cool seeing Lauren come in here and and you know and ask the question. And so you know, I, I think that the next generation is is so important. So obviously, you know, um, I stack as many sats for my kids as I can. You know, and 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 you know, that's always been you know an important thing for me. Um, but you know, I really what I would love to see is is that this community continues to to grow and be a strong one for them you know when they're older um and that it can everything that you know we work for um you know all of us are collectively working for today that that hopeful future continues to be you know starts to become more of a reality um <clears throat> and so it's cute my daughter <laughs> I was wearing, um, Michael Yana gave me a shirt that said um, Bitcoin versus everybody. And so <clears throat> my oldest daughter, she's seven. She's always talking about, you know, daddy does Bitcoin and stuff like that. So, but she's, you know, getting, getting, you know, more and more sort of asking questions, trying to not, she's not getting too deep into it yet, but she, she gets like, okay, daddy works, you know, for a Bitcoin company and daddy likes Bitcoin. And, um, and so when I wore that shirt, she's like, I guess I'm everybody. I was like, well, no, you're not actually. I was like, you have Bitcoin. You don't, you, you don't have the, you know, you don't have the, the seed phrase or anything in your possession, but you, you have a Bitcoin. And she's like, so I'm a Bitcoin. I was like, you are a Bitcoiner. And so, so I was at a, uh, at her school, you know, volunteering for her lunch the other day. And then I come in and she's telling all of her friends that she's a Bitcoiner. Love it. And, and then it was, it just, you know, it, it's, it's just cute. Uh, you know, now, I mean, because, you know, obviously it's not, it's not at that sort of Bitcoin or depth, but it's the pride, which, you know, just her 
<clears throat> having that association with their dad, A, that's cool. Um, and, and feeling, you know, a sense of pride from that. But then the reality of just, yeah, actually really wanting this community to continue to grow, um, really wanting everything that we're working for to really materialize in the way that I think we all hope it does, um, you know, for the benefit of humanity. And so I hope that <clears throat> she can be a part of that. And, and yeah, that would be, that'd be the, she, and I have a son too. So both of them, <laughs> he's, he's not as, as, uh, you know, he's a little younger, so. But yeah, I want I want them both um, to 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 you know, have their ownership moment um, and to really find this community to be one that is at the forefront of 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 positive change. Imagine their stories in uh, in twenty years time. Every every like everyone's going to have a rabbit hole story, right? This is the thing. In twenty years time, mm -hmm. well, yeah, it's my dad. Like yeah, he <laughs> just wouldn't go on. He wouldn't stop going on and on about it. But then he built this really cool company and. I guess I just grew up. It was always around me and it's just so natural. Uh, yeah. It's um, strange times in which we live, uh, but uh, yeah, privileged to be a part of it and to have met you and thank you for everything you're doing. Uh, why don't you tell the plebs how to find you and um, or reach out to Sinota if there's any, anyone you need anything help with, how, how can people add value? Yeah. Thank you. Um, you know, what else? So, so Sonoda, S-Y-N-O-T-A dot I-O. That's our website. Um, and then we are at Sonoda underscore on Twitter. Um, so, you know, certainly two ways to, to reach out and get in touch um, that way. Um, you know, what we're, you know, we're, we're a company that is, you know, open in every dimension. So we try to be in as many places as we can. So, you know, reach out if you, if you know we're going to be in the same place at the same time or want to see if we can, we can connect. You know, we love hearing from people who are interested in what we're doing, have questions, uh, want to understand if there's opportunities to work. You know, as as we sit here today, you know, things kind of ebb and flow in terms of, hey, where do we need some support? You know, we, we've tapped into the community, you know, on many occasions already. So uh, encourage anybody who's listening to this and wants to to see if there's something that they can, you know, do work on or, or contribute to that, you know, where we want to hear from them. Um, and, you know, ultimately, you know, where we where we stand is we want to bring the entire energy economy onto the lightning network and you know that is a, a four and a half trillion dollar proposition um and <laughs> and so it is not going to just be us to do that you yeah. know it would be um it, you you'd think i was crazy if you you know or i would consider myself crazy if i thought hey you know this is this is going to be just you know one this is going to be a community effort is my point and we're going to need lots of ideas and we're going to need a lot of innovators and companies doing really new and exciting things in this space it is everything about energy can be built and built better onto the lightning network um and so we're excited to not only do that work ourselves but to support the people that that have ideas and want want to you know find their own way to to build businesses etc and find ways to work with them um, will so you be it, will you yeah, guys be at any of the conferences uh hosting any booths or wandering around if uh, people want to come and say hi yeah so we um we we will be at uh, so two upcoming ones so i'll be um speaking at the microstrategy conference this week mm -hmm. um so really excited about that uh you know getting to um you know be be amongst some you know really incredible leaders in this space and and get to tell our story really around uh you know how we're getting we're building software that is bring, making lightning accessible um, to you know the largest energy companies in the world, um, and so be there speaking at that. Then I'm really excited. So at Bitcoin Miami, 
Uh, I'm moderating uh, a panel with uh, Graham Kizik from Voltage and Alex Leishman from uh, River. Um, so uh, if anybody has any good questions uh, for them, please send them our way. Um, so yeah, we'll be there, you know, have have folks from from the team at both places. No booths, um, you know, we are still, um, you know, we're through, thankfully, you know, appreciate opportunities like this to kind of get the word out, um, you know, and, and do our marketing in the most cost effective way as a, you know, seed, seed stage startup. Um, but uh, yeah, we will be there. We will be present, welcome anybody to reach out. Um, and, you know, our, our goal is to continue to be at as many of the conferences as we can, um, because like you said, I think it's, there's, even though there's a lot of things that you, you, there's a lot of things to attend. Uh, I have yet to do something, attend something that um, was not, didn't, didn't create value um, personally and professionally, um, you know, uh, as I, as I look back on all the things and, and actually, one of the cool things, if, since you know the clock hasn't run out yet, I'll say just this last week went to to Capitol Hill. Uh, you know, well, there's the the Bitcoin uh, Policy Summit in in Washington D.C. Um, and so, just the, you know, a shout out to the Bitcoin Today Coalition and, and the Bitcoin Policy Institute because they did an incredible job bringing stakeholders together in one room, um, providing you know really great content to you know folks who you know it, it wasn't an audience of of you know, all Bitcoiners. I sat next to a you know guy who, you know, his his eyes got wider as the day went on um, as he was learning about things, and it was really cool to, you know, engage him throughout the day and just sort of understand sort of what what he was learning, um, you know, in 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 being there. And then the next day, myself and and twenty other you know folks from the space, you know, the industry got to then go on Capitol Hill, you know, talk to, uh, you know, talk to legislative aides and staff, and it was really an awesome experience because. When you get around a table, you know, as we broke into small groups, when you get around a table and you share the perspectives and help people see, you know, here's what what this industry means and sort of give people a perspective that they haven't heard yet. It was an, an, an immensely positive day. Um, and so I learned so much just being around, you know, incredible leaders. So anyway, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here, Daniel, but I will say, you know, this has been a very busy time in terms of you know, getting out there, we'll continue to do that. I will be in Nashville in July. I know there's a there's a lightning summit, you know, um, being hosted down there. Um, and there's probably a, a few other things, you know, up shortly after that in the fall, um, you know, whether it's Tab or, or Bitblock Boom that we'll have people at too. Excellent. And uh, shout out to EgoDeath. I don't know if they led the round, but I know Jeff and uh, Andy and Nico were part of the funding. Yeah, EgoDeath were our lead investors. They Ever? are they're incredible. Um, yeah. Great guys. I, I, if if I can just sing their praises for a second, um, you know, talk about you know a team that is, you know, from the very moment we met them, you know, was really interested in giving us the best advice, giving us the the uh, just challenging perspectives, but also what I loved about meeting them, you know, kind of one of the things we set up front is so as a team, you know, three co-founders coming from corporate who had never led a startup before, never been in Bitcoin, you know, never worked, you know, all fiat jobs, like, you know, who, what is this founding team? But, you know, they were able to really help us see where that's our strategic advantage and use mm -hmm. that. Um, and, and, and so it's amazing. Jeff is, is one of those people that um, has, is such an inspiration. I, I don't think there's a single conversation 
where I don't bring him up in some way, shape or form because he's been so influential in my own way of thinking and both personally and professionally. Excellent. Yeah, they're doing great work and um, long may you guys continue penetrating into the energy business, helping Bitcoin miners uh, manage risk and uh, orange pilling as many people as you can. And I look forward to seeing you in Miami, brother. We're, we're, we're coming over. So we'll, we'll, come and, we'll come and find you. We'll come say hi and hang out. Wonderful. And I really look forward to seeing you too. So safe travels across the pond. And uh, uh, it'll be nice and warm down there. So looking forward to it. All right, brother. Have Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Austin. And as you can tell, yes, I'm late to release this one. This is well after Miami. But like I've said on a few of the other shows beforehand, the first quarter of this year got absolutely crazy with podcast interviews another reason for you all to be bullish because there are so many people out there building products and services or having epiphanies or writing books or singing songs or doing whatever it is they want to do who want to come on and share their story with the plebs on the podcast look out for the podcast because it is now going to be up on youtube under the direction and stewardship of our boy Luke over at Consensus Network. And um, it's definitely the best place for you to go and shop for your Bitcoin books as well. Let's kick Amazon to touch, Bitcoiners, because really, what what are we doing? Consensus Network have been around now for a long time, and it is a pleb initiative run by plebs, staffed by plebs, volunteers from all over the world that are doing incredible work translating as many bitcoin books as they can into as many languages as they can now these guys they they get to the conferences they they buy the booths they staff the booths they man the booths this is a huge operation and the only way they can survive is if we buy their books or buy their books for our friends and our families so get over to consensus network you can use the code bitten for a 10% discount and if you pay via the Lightning Network you get an extra 10% discount so just go and order a stack of books from these guys seriously we need them around for as long as possible and they're going to be like I said my podcast is going to be under their YouTube channel they are looking after that for me as well as the Freedom Footprint show which is hosted by Knuts von Holm another great Bitcoiner and a few others are going to be popping up there as well so they're doing publishing of the word and publishing of the videos too. Thanks guys for everything you're doing. Also, make sure you're stacking sats. You know where, Swan Bitcoin, Relay, Coin Corner, Hoddle Hoddle, all excellent companies. WasabiWallet.io if you want to go down the CoinJoin rabbit hole and start coin joining some of your stack. Many of us in the space, we have what you have, like two stacks, I suppose, a KYC stack and a non-KYC stack. Why do you have the two? Well. There weren't that many non-KYC services around in the early days. So these services are growing. Hoddle Hoddle are the place to go for that. They've been around as one of those longest solutions for you. Mempool.space, new sponsor to the show. Big shout out to Simon. Thank you very much. And the team, of course, for what you guys have built. My goodness, if you've not been to mempool.space, go have a look. Or if you haven't been there for a while, go have a look because they are iterating all of the time and they are growing. And again, it's a great educational tool. Orange Pill App. Go meet your friends in real life. Your new friends, your best friends, your Bitcoin friends. 
it's incredible how this social layer of Bitcoin is all coming together. And as a good friend of mine, Izzy, would say, we're all biomagnetic nodes. And Knut has, told about, has talked about this as well. His talk in Prague was about um, us being Bitcoin. It gets very deep. But when you understand the network effects of Bitcoin is actually the network effects of human beings, this kind of redefines your whole thinking around life and community and society as a whole. So get out there, meet your people. Orange Pill App is the best place to do that. Three bucks per month is going to connect you with people close to you or people in the new towns that you might be traveling to or events that you didn't even know were happening just around the corner. Conferences, the Baltic Honey Badger, Riga, Latvia, High Signal, code BITTEN gets you 10% off. That's put on by the HODL HODL team. And also Liberty Now Lifetime, put on by Free Cities Foundation. I'm hoping, hoping to learn more about their free economic trade zones. The one such as Roatan in Honduras, where a good friend of mine, Dushan, is currently setting up uh, Amitiage, an educational center on the island and uh, it looks like a paradise so fingers crossed that we get out there soon to visit as well but these are the kind of people that come to free cities foundation liberty and our lifetime conference like the, these intentional communities that are springing up around the world so why would you not want to go and check that out as a bitcoiner check out what tools are going to be available to you in the future as you kind of navigate this path into the unknown of bitcoin hype for bitcoinization anyway i'm rambling take care catch you on the next show and that that conference by the way you get 10 percent off if you use the code bitten see you in the next show guys take care